0: I'm not going to separate the team. It's the 49ers and we didn't win. I was pleased with improvement. It's hard to be pleased with anything right now. It's time to talk
1: 49ers football on Gold Faithful. With Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. It's been up and down.
0: Okay, right? I don't have the answer on why it's a problem today. I don't. I have to find that answer.
1: Oh, man. That sums it up, doesn't it? I, I don't have the answer.
2: I, I, <laughs> you guys... I don't know. Uh,
1: Your you're the coach. You're, you're supposed to have the answer. <laughs> man, come on. Well, he was
2: tired of saying... Uh, it's on me. We're going to get it fixed. Yeah. So he had to kind of come with a little different angle, or he might have said,
1: "I'm sure." Get it fixed. I'm sure he also took. Yeah, somewhere. I'm sure he took some sort of responsibility because that's the kind of man he is, and that's why we like him as a man, but not as a head coach. You got, come on, give an answer. You guys didn't play well enough. You got beat. You were out schemed. You're out coached. You know the answers. Definitely some big picture questions there. Oh, man, we're You're starting
2: with... off negative here. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately that's the way the yeah. season has gone. Four and 10 49ers. Loss uh, at home, a half-empty <laughs> stadium Ooh, to yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we got a good show coming up, though. we got Dan Dibley joining us. Yeah, excited. Legend yeah. and co-worker of ours that we see often around the building.
1: One of the funniest guys you'll meet. If yeah, you ever do you get a good chance to
2: meet that guy. Always great to hang out and, and talk with him. Make anybody. it
1: a special guest later, too. We'll see. Okay, okay. Don't want to give anything away just in case it doesn't work out. We'll see. This is the Lions-related? Guest? It is Lions-related. Okay. It might not happen, though, so... Uh, don't get excited, people. Don't get excited. I don't think they are. Is anyone listening? <laughs> Is this thing on? Nick Winkler, you can find him at Bay Area Wink. You can find me
2: on Twitter at BD Peacock. Uh, we're on I- iTunes. We're on uh, everywhere you can find a podcast. That's where we are. Review yeah. it, subscribe it, and uh, let yeah, us know. Let us know. Hit us up on uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Gold Faithful Podcast, Gold Faithful49 at Gmail, however you like to uh, correspond with people.
1: Yeah. We're here for you. Lots to get to. you got to recap us. that Bengals game. We've got to look ahead to the Lions. A Pro Bowl uh, teams were announced today, yes. so we, a lot to get to here. I'm, uh, there was also a big signing uh, from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. Not who you think, <laughs> not, not who, who you, you want it to be. Yeah.
2: Right. Exactly. <laughs> that still
1: could come. We'll see.
2: Uh, good, but let's get to our guest right now.
1: All right, joining us now, our very first guest, back on the very first episode of Gold Faithful. If you live in the Bay Area or you listen to any sort of Bay Area radio, you know him, you love him, or you hate him. I mean, let's be honest, that's kind of one of the—he's one of those polarizing figures. We love him. He's Dan Dibley. Dan, thank you so much for joining us.
0: No, no problem, guys. Glad to be back on. I, I thought I was on the snub list after my <laughs> debut. Maybe it didn't go as well as I thought. We <laughs> wanted to save you till the end,
1: you know. Really, we were we were you're like our cleanup hitter. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, cleaning up the mess that is a four and ten season, I oh, guess you man. could say.
1: Yeah, it's been really bad. You know, and speaking of uh, a wonderful season that we've had so far, I-, I don't know if you got to to get a look at this uh, article that came out today, Cam Inman. He was talking to uh what, Eric Reed and uh, Jaquiski Tartt, uh, about Trent Balky and how uh, the uh, he likes to go down and kind of coach him up there uh, during practice. What do you think about that?
0: Well, normally I think that would be an awkward thing, and on the surface you might look at that uh, as a GM who's meddling. But if you look at the piece written by Cam Inman, the players both talk glowingly of, of the input Trent Balky's had on the field as sort of a de facto coach. And if you're 4-10 and ten and things aren't really going great, another set of eyes or maybe another mouth down there, for lack of a better way to describe it, maybe that's not a bad thing. I mean, this is a team that needs improvement in so many areas, and the two players that Cam talked to, they're both having pretty good seasons. So, you know, it's not like he went down there and talked to a player who's having an awful time of things. These are guys who are playing well, so I have no real problem with it.
2: And, hey, Debs, you think there might be a little bit to it that uh, those are guys he drafted very high? I think the, <laughs> and he's probably, you know, glad to see a little bit of a playmaking streak out of Jimmy Ward, but maybe coaching those guys up to help himself out a little bit.
0: No doubt, and, you know, you're in a situation in that organization where it's going to be CYA, cover your, for, you know, just about everybody in the organization, right? You, right. you have a head coach who's ostensibly fighting for for his job, You've got a team president that's been reassigned within the family business. You've got a general manager who's been hit and miss, and with all these quote defections as the report came out on this Sunday, with all the players that left in the off season, you knew it was going to be a bad season. But I don't know if we thought that it would be this bad.
1: Right? You know, and you know, speaking of Kim, and he also uh, spoke about Bulky and his draft and. Uh, of course, the Pro Bowl uh, announcements came out just a few hours ago. Only two of 40 draft picks that Balky has made have made the Pro Bowl. Alden Smith and Eric Reed. I mean, that's that just goes to show you a lot right there.
2: Right, and Alden's gone, and yeah. Eric Reed regressed a little bit without the, all that talent around him. Sure.
0: Well, you need to have pieces replaced from the front all the way to the back. And I think any time you analyze the guys at the back of the defense, you have to also look at the front and they did not get a ton of pass rush this season putting a lot of pressure on a linebacking core that was depleted and yeah the secondary needs some upgrades as well i thought the defense played pretty well particularly at home it was in those road games especially you know early on in the season where they struggled but the defense is not without some talented pieces but much like most of this roster it needs a desperate upgrade and no matter what you do in the draft and even if you succeed in free agency you're probably looking at a rebuilding year in 2016 anyway.
2: Right, and you said it with the pass rush. Not only is the pass rush not there that puts a little bit of extra pressure on the really young uh, corners sure. that they have out there as well. So obviously all that stuff works together, but yeah, you got to look at the coaching because how teams are always better at home than on the road, you know, almost always, but just the the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team, sometimes they just look completely unprepared and completely out of it. And then at other times it looks like they can borderline dominate, especially on defense. I don't know what to think about the coaching staff and, and really who to pin that on.
0: And that's really, I think, the, the biggest question going into this offseason. You have a team that's going to be in rebuilding mode no matter what. So you have to ask yourself, is it worth it to try and bring a new coaching staff in when you're not going to be very good anyway? Or is this coaching staff good enough at teaching and coaching this young team? Are they good enough to survive one more year maybe you get some new players in via the draft and via free agency, and and you're able to put together somewhat of a core. To me, if you're going to keep the GM, you might as well keep the coach, because any GM that comes in is going to want to bring his own coach with him. So if you're not going to replace the GM and the coach, to me it makes no sense to replace one and not both in this situation.
2: Diz, I totally agree with you there, and the big question here is, If they're not the guys, you know, if if you have doubt and there's somebody available that you can get to come in that you think could be uh, uh, the type of coach or a type of GM that could look things over and, and turn things around, then I think you have to pull that trigger. And the question is do you want a GM and a head coach to draft a quarterback, you know, possibly top five in the draft, and then all of a sudden after they're after his rookie year, you pull the rug out from under, and right. now you got a new GM, new coaching staff, which almost always means a new quarterback as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's really the biggest question, you know, is what are you going to do in the draft? I'd like them to draft Jared Goff if he comes out. I, I know the kid a little bit. I knew his father. I grew up with him. I think he'll be a good, if not great, NFL quarterback if he's given a chance to sit and learn. With Blaine Gabbert and what he's shown you this year, the second half of this year, I think he's good enough to be your stopgap guy, and, and next year, even if you brought in Tom Brady or you know, pick any quarterback you want in the NFL and you brought them to the 49ers next year, you're still not going to be a team that goes 12-4 and four and contends for the Super Bowl. Your roster's just not comprised for that, so if you're going to draft a young quarterback and you're going to replace the GM and you're going to replace the head coach, you'd better find a coach that's good at grooming young quarterbacks and, and give him a chance to sit and watch.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned Blaine Gabbert there as the the stopgap quarterback next season. Uh, Great uh, statistic from Chris Biederman that I saw today. Since Gabbert has become the starter, 49ers have converted 19 of 77 third downs. 24.6% last in the NFL. I mean, he mentioned it in his press conference, too. He's like, oh, you know, we're not going to force anything. We're going to try the check downs and this and that. And I've got some amazing numbers here. This is what they went for. They averaged... 3rd and 11 on Sunday against the Bengals. I mean, it, that's the kind of thing like you got to get it done on 1st and 2nd down too. It's not just 3rd down.
0: Yeah, and I, I think part of that falls on the coaching staff and the play calling. They've been excruciatingly conservative with the play calling even before Blaine Gabbard took the job and it's almost as if the head coach Jim Tomsula is coaching not to get blown out. Like he's coaching not to get embarrassed. You know, you, you look at Cincinnati and even though they got touchdowns late in ostensibly in garbage time, one of those scores, you still look at the score line and you think, well, it was a fairly close, fairly decent game. Instead of going for wins, it seems like he's coaching to avoid the big loss. Yeah,
1: you know, you mentioned it they they led in nearly every offensive category. I mean they beat him in yards, they beat him in passing yards, they beat him in rushing yards, but they also you know, led the Bengals in penalties, and they had the blocked field goal, four turnovers. They made a lot of mistakes in that game, and that's just from a young, inexperienced team. I think.
0: and it's also a coaching staff that's going through it for the first time. Sure. Yeah, Jim Tomsula came into the, the season one and zero from his time as an interim coach, but right. he clearly is in over his skis a little bit coaching this forty nine er team, and that's why you see inconsistent effort from the squad as well, and inconsistent performances maybe might be a more fair way to describe it four turnovers and you've got picks from gabbert you've got ball handling issues and it just doesn't seem if you go position group by position group it's hard to see one group of players that really is take in the market improvement this season
2: hey dibs uh, to Change the subject real quick on you here. Uh, We were uh, enjoying watching you on TV this weekend. You were helping the coverage for some of this uh, state high school football championships. And uh, I don't think you can hear our audio when we play it over the system here. But I want you to wait 20 seconds, and I'm going to tell you about what we just heard.
0: Coach, congratulations. And I guess if things go your way, we'll see you back here. One for the thumb, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't need one. I only got four fingers, so I'm good. <laughs> you. Coach Kennedy, you got a cousin with the four rings and the four fingers. Congratulations to
1: both
2: teams for making it here, and to Central Catholic. You held it down well there at the end. You, so, you held it together. One for the thumb. That was Central Catholic
1: coach Roger uh, Canapa.
0: Roger Canapa, one of the uh, one of the great coaches, actually in Northern California high school football. No you, doubt.
1: Yeah, four straight championships for his team. I mean, impressive. Just. I, the look on your face is just <laughs> priceless in that. And like I said, you held it together. I mean, you, some people could have lost it. It was a live shot. You know, right. you're doing a stand-up You recovered. Yeah, yeah, you said,
2: I only got four fingers. And when you said, well, you got it covered. Yeah,
0: yeah I told somebody after that I got uh, credited for a blown save and a save <laughs> in the same outing. I don't, I don't even know if that's possible. You know, it's, it's just typical of me to find my way into a, uh, into a pile so to speak and i'll tell you what guys and this goes uh, this goes from sideline reporter handbook 101 you know you've seen how many thousands of sporting events where the reporter gets two questions right you get the one mm-hmm. question you get it back you follow up you get it back and you toss it back upstairs well i believe that was my third question uh. To coach canapa i went one i went two i felt like i had time i went one for the thumb and it blew up right in my it, face it's that old
1: three on a match thing right <laughs> that's the why world you don't war one <laughs>
0: that's right that's right you know you, you stick to the script and you go uno dos adiós and you stay out of trouble but i had to push it <laughs>
2: Hey, Dibs, one more quick question for you. So when you came on in week one, when our first episode of the show, we, we kind of had an offseason review and, you know, you, you thought things didn't look too good for the 49ers. I believe you picked them to go six and 10 on the season. And, uh, we got some feedback. The only bad feedback we ever get on this show is if we're not kind enough towards the right. 49ers. And a lot of fans were like, well, Dibley's not even a 49ers fan. He's a Raiders fan. Six and 10. We're going to surprise some people. And the 49ers have to win out to get to six and 10 now. Yikes. Uh, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, as much time as you want. Actually, do you have any words for those folks that uh, that were hating on you?
0: No, I just feel bad. I feel bad for the situation. And you know, I grew up in a household that supported the 49ers, but now living in Oakland, I do support the Raiders more than I support the 49ers. I haven't paid my own money to go down to Levi Stadium, nor will I. And I just feel bad for 49er fans because you know you got this new stadium, and the ownership doesn't seem to be that committed to winning in the short term. And 4-10 and 10 on the way to what could be 4-12, and 12, it's a disaster. And I'm not going to be the guy to say, I told you so. I just hope that things can turn around for the 49ers because our business of sports talk, radio, and sports TV, it's a better business when the teams do well. Look no further than the Warriors. So as much as I feel vindicated that I was ostensibly correct about their season, I don't take any, any gleeful pride in their misery.
1: He's a great guy. He's a great follow on Twitter, at Dan Dibley. Catch him on television. Catch him on various radio stations. Dan, thank you so much for joining Thanks,
0: us. Dan. Got to keep me off the sideline, boys. <laughs> I, <gotta take laughs> I don't know.
1: Radio. It was very entertaining.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, you can be on the sideline in any game I'm watching. Yeah. Appreciate that, guys. All right. See you, Dibs. Dibs, always fun to talk to. Always. So uh, t- to follow up a couple of things that we talked about there, I have <laughs> the-, the bulky thing. Mm-hmm. And he's... He was a scout.
1: I mean, for to his credit, he well, was yeah, a scout what for he is, what, ten years, but, I mean, ne-
2: but never a coach. At least, right. you know, on the NFL level, I don't know if he did any co- coaching type stuff before that, but sure. he's been a, a longtime scout. And he, obviously, you know, um, you know technique, and you know what you are looking at if you are an NFL scout and you are a GM of a football team. Obviously, right. he knows how to play the game a little bit, so that, that's not too crazy or anything. But I just remember, do you remember the press conference, the introductory press conference for Jim Tom Sula? Do you remember this this exchange right here? I'll play for you.
0: You have to have that latitude to be able to adapt and adjust uh, your schematics fit the players. So uh, I hope that answers your question. Matt, Matt, I think somewhere in there, he said we're going to run the football. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, Mike, do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. So,
2: well, first of all, that was <laughs> – Jim Sewell's answer to I think it was Matt Barrow's question was what kind of schemes you can run on offense and defense. It was about 3 minutes of just like uh a, a lot of like hand point, gestures yeah, yeah. and he was couldn't really put it into words and so I think uh Trent was just trying to help him sum it up a little bit but a little bit of a meddlesome situation, right? That's that's day one of Jim Sula's coaching tenure.
1: But, I mean, we knew that, right, going in, that they kind of hired Tom Sula as the puppet, as the guy to just like, this is our guy, we can run it, you know, behind the shadows, we can hold the strings, we're the marionette, you know, like, it just, to me, seems like th- this is this is kind of how it's been all along. This is why they kicked Harbaugh out, because Harbaugh wouldn't follow their rules. He wouldn't fire the coaches that they wanted to fire. You know, he had the power, and they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that they couldn't control their team. And I get it. If I had a team, I, I might do the same thing. But at the same time, is that good? Yeah, it's, it's obviously not. It's good not. for us. It's no. not good
2: for the fans. It's not good for but the media. From an
1: ego standpoint, I get it.
2: But like Dib said, it's best to have a winning team. If you're not have a winning team, though, maybe just have a total disaster. Because at least right. that gives you something to talk about from a media perspective. And
1: that's what we've had. We really it have. Has. Like you said, I mean, it's probably going to be you know a 4 and 12 team i don't, I don't like see their them
2: chances the I, next 2 weeks
1: no they're going on the road at detroit detroit's been much better in the second they've half of the season sure. yeah we'll we'll obviously get to detroit in a little bit uh but and then the final week you know they play st louis and that's another again they've been this team has been much different at home football outsiders has them ranked their defense at home 13th on the road 30th you know they, there's something to be said for sleeping in your own bed there's something to be said for playing at levi stadium it it was empty. I mean, it's half full, but there's still half full of fans that are rooting for your team. Yeah, and that you're exactly right. Plus, you, you know the turf. <laughs> the, the turf has been on the 49ers' side for the most part since they moved in there. And, and to me, I, I like the stadium. You know, it, I don't like the fact that it's in Santa Clara. Right. I don't like the fact that they charged all these people, these personal seat licenses, yeah. like a ridiculous amount of money. And they, they can't even sell them right
2: now. No, I saw I saw something on Twitter. The guy's PSL was worth $60,000, mm-hmm. and he's trying to sell it for 15000 right oh, now. Oh, no way. And it's like, gosh, you're eating.
1: Oh. That's, <laughs> That's so
2: heartbreaking. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, obviously, if you can afford a $60,000 PSL, they look like nice Cs from the 50-yard line. So basically, he's losing the price of his BMW that he's driving to and from the game. Right.
1: And when you're... You know, Maybe you're counting parking, a,
2: parking pass, too. I'm not sure.
1: He's, he's missing out on that new BMW for Christmas this year. He's <laughs> yeah, not the one upgrade. on TV. I hate those TV yeah, ads where like, hey, Lexus? why don't you buy your spouse a
2: car with a bow on it?
1: Yeah. Screw you, man. <laughs> Make us all look so bad. Yeah.
2: But anyway, so... Um, going back to that empty stadium, actually, there was a quote from Navarro Bowman after the game. In the stadium, I mean, the fans are probably, you know, they're probably
0: fed up, you know, but, you know, to see them come out and still cheering us on, um, you know, I think, you know, when they uh, got up, you know, I think we felt
2: it, you know, as a team. Uh, if we were winning, you know, they, they'd have stayed in the stadium. So just the position that we're in uh and we're, we're, we have to bring our own energy regardless uh who's in
1: the stadium. Yeah, I mean, you, let's be honest. If you're there for that game, you're a pretty hardcore fan. You know, you're, you're going to that game or, you know, you were given the tickets or you finally got a chance because the tickets were affordable.
2: Right, selling them for, for below value. Sure, sure. And a lot of corporate seats, people are just trying to give those away. And mm-hmm. this is, apparently those are tough to give away, too. And if, if you're a player, they notice that, there's half-empty seats up there, you know, and I'm sure there's still enough people, you know, whether it's thirty thousand people or whatever who are actually there. <laughs> I, I think the, the stadium is supposed to hold sixty-eight thousand, mm-hmm. and it was reported um, seventy thousand seats were sold, sellout. Crowd. That's what was you know announced attendance. Oh, wow. Which obviously th- that's not what came through the turnstile. Of course not. Um, so they're maybe, just
1: lucky they played a team like the Bengals that don't travel that well. I mean, if it was like the Steelers or the Packers, you know, or an NFC West team, right? Oh man, that would have been ugly. Or a Raiders game. Imagine a Raiders oh, game where wow.
2: where the black jerseys outnumber the red jerseys, and especially and since not the Forty Nine ers sold yeah. some red some black jerseys <laughs> that's, this that's year. True. You know, it <laughs> might be overwhelming.
0: Oh, but that's man. yeah,
2: that's not good. So as a 49er fan, as someone who cares for the team, you have to be kind of pissed off by that. You have to be annoyed. Yeah. As a player, He's when you show up on game day, you run out of the tunnel and it's
1: half full. Yeah. That sucks. Of course. You can't like that. So then... Especially when you're a guy like Bowman, who's a, a, a Pro Bowl, yeah, leading the league in tackles, coming back from this major injury. Like he's been playing his hard out. He's worked so hard to get back on the field Absolutely. and to come back. And you get that first game, and everybody—it's so exciting. And then it's just been downhill ever since. Like that's got to be a little bit frustrating, right? I mean, but these guys are professionals. I'm sure they they can get themselves amped up and get ready for a game. But at the same time, like you said, man, you walk run out of that tunnel and it's half empty. You're you're used to the roar. You know and you you get a half roar? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's got to suck. Yeah, half roars suck, man. Nobody <laughs> I with the full roar.
2: Uh and so which leads you to okay, you got it, big changes, right? Yeah. You got to have big changes. Yeah, but we're we're getting we're hearing things uh COO Alguido who is the guy taking over for Pragmarate. I I always heard it was Pragmarate, but mm-hmm. people say Prague Marath. I don't know. I have heard way, Marath, yeah. I have heard just, both. It's kind of like Madonna. It's just Prag, so. Yeah. Parag. So So uh, Al Guido told CBS that Jim Sula was likely to be back. That's the, the rumor that we're hearing. So It's just Guido. Um, it's just Guido. Guido and Farag. Yeah, yeah, Guido like Guido yeah. yeah, it sounds like a, a new Netflix series. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, so, if yeah, he was back. And a Bay Area sports guy wrote uh, today about how the team seems to really like Eric Mangini. So really that leaves Jeep Christ. right, is the only member of the coaching staff who is probably better than 50% chance of
1: being replaced. Well, there's going to be a fall guy. I mean, they're going to have to make some moves, You
2: right? have to. You have yeah. to.
1: You can't and just bring everybody back. Like, no, come on, we can sell this. I think if you interviewed fans out there, I think an overwhelming
2: majority would want much more major changes than that. Definitely, whether we- it's GM or Jim Tom
1: Sula, just changing the offensive coordinator is that enough? I'm just I'm waiting for that day when we can hold Jed York accountable. You know, to, right. to use his own to throw his own words right back at him to let him hear it. That that's gonna be it's gonna be something big. I want to hear from him.
2: I realize that that's a lame answer. Yeah. He's, <laughs> Yeah, so after the season, we're going to hear from him, and that'll be very interesting. Right. And he's going to give a lot of people, a lot of fans. You know, you always hear about players have bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. Fans, Jed York is really good at giving fans bulletin board material. Oh, man. So this is the ultimate. Whatever bulletin that is, board. January third is the last game. If if he right. comes and talks after the game, or on January fourth, or the next week, or whatever, if there's a coaching search, and then you hear from him. But um, yeah, the end of the season address from Jed York is going to be uh, going to be a big one.
1: They should not bring Tom Sula back. Are you on board with me here? Do you think he should get a second year? I don't know
2: who's... A, it's kind of like the quarterback situation. Yeah. I've said this before. It depends on who's there. I say
1: you bring in a new coach and you draft that young guy. And yeah, you let him sit a year behind Gabbard. Maybe Gabbard turns into a star. I mean, it's it's doubtful at this point. You know, he he didn't look horrible. Two of his interceptions were tipped. You know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't totally right. on him. Although he, you know, threw behind a couple receivers too late to a couple receivers. He, he's not... He's not the best quarterback in the league. He's not even middle of the road.
2: He is
1: a perfect—he's a smart
2: guy. He's a likable guy. He's the perfect guy that is a long-term backup can help you groom a young player. So, I'd love to see him with, reason,
1: with a line that could protect him with an actual running game. They, well, Their running game did not show up. They averaged 3.9 yards. Bad. Yeah, they ran the ball like 15 times.
2: They had to throw the ball at the end of the game, but yeah. that's the only time they started to get anything going was when they, they were forced to throw the ball. So well, yeah,
1: when they get into that, you know...
2: This whole run-the-ball, Trent Baalke system that they want to run, they cannot do it. So you just have to question the whole deal from the top down, whether it's players, coaches... GM, which leads me to I, it's not just enough to just, OK, you hire you fire Jim Tom and you bring in whoever you can bring. Right. in. Right. The only thing that Jed York can do at the end of the season is separate himself from it. He has to hire a guy who is the president of football operations. Yeah. Who's running the whole show. Jed is the CEO behind the scenes. He's dealing with whatever stuff, help make the family money. That's all fine. Right. Let a guy do all the football stuff. Jed's got nothing to do with it. He hires the president who does everything else. I agree with you. That's the only thing I think he can do that's the right answer.
1: 100%, but I think there's a 0% chance that that happens. Right. And that's The ego in that guy. Yeah. I just don't see it happening at all. I mean, maybe he hires an assistant or something, you know, (laughs) And, and I, w- I want to know who's pulling the strings, if it's even Balky or if it's Jed. I think
2: we'll find out a lot about that. If yeah. this was all Balky's show, I think you have to fire him. Right. You know?
1: And you just look at all these numbers, how, how poorly he's drafted. How, you know, again, the, the two of 40 draft picks have made the Pro Bowl since 2011. Like, that's not good. That, that's, that's, that's very, very poor. I'd right. love to see those numbers, you know, compared to other GMs in that same time frame. Maybe it isn't bad. Maybe that's average. Who knows? Maybe... You know, most guys that make Pro Bowls are in that first or that second contract, you know, where they're going and signing somewhere else as a free agent. Who knows? Maybe GMs don't even last that long. Maybe it's well, the yeah. aberration that still around. You,
2: you don't have a job for yeah. very long. Yeah, um, that's very true. So yeah, and if if I'm sure someone is going to do that in the off season, If nobody does, and we'll have to do it ourselves. We will have a lot of shows in the off season. have yeah. no football to talk about. So um, those are maybe some of the things we can do aside from the draft and free agency, and you know reviews and previews and all those kind of things.
1: I like it. Yeah, I mean we won't be coming every week, but at the same time, like when we do, it, it's gonna we're gonna bring it. We'll come strong. Yeah, we'll come correct. We will come, Greg. We'll get some good uh, guests, and uh, we'll bring Dibley back
2: to wrap up the coaching situation. <laughs> Tim Kalakami at the uh, San Jose Mercury News had an article today about uh, some potential hires, mm-hmm. and one name was really surprising. Uh, he named Josh McDaniels, Hugh Jackson, Brian Kelly. Those are not surprising. Those names right. will probably come up in, in with any open NFL job. But the name he said was Mike Nolan. <laughs> Which would be not wow. – which would be like one of the guys where I'd say, nah, just keep Tom Sula one more year yeah. and see what he can do.
1: I, I don't a weird like
2: retread. It. He hasn't had a head coaching job since the 49ers. Right. He's been coordinated around for a long time before and after the 49ers gig. And uh, they referenced a situation when uh, Jed cried when he had to fire Mike Nolan. Oh, <laughs>
1: that's so sweet. But – I just, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. I don't like anything about it.
2: Uh, can we talk about Blaine Gabbert for a second? So, Do we um, have to? D- yes. Okay. Because I said so. Okay.
1: <laughs> wah, go, wah. Stand,
2: go stand in the corner if you don't like it. No, I just want – because I had some audio from him, and it was from that press conference, uh-huh. and you, you referenced it when we were talking to Dan, Dan Dibley earlier. And I thought it was really funny because he <laughs> he knows – he does a really good job of explaining how you get a first down and how third downs work and how first downs work oh good because I don't know right this is this is him especially early on in the game um you want to take what the defense has given you and the defenses know it's third and fifteen too so they're going to play at the sticks make you throw it underneath and rally and make a tackle and that's just that's the way it goes and it it gets back to not putting yourselves in third and fifteen because if it's third and fifteen you get twelve yards it's you're off the field um but it's third and ten, you get twelve yards as the first down. You keep the drive alive. Yeah, that's so he knows how it works. How you break he knows it down. That If there's, yeah. if you need ten yards, you get twelve yards as the first down. That's brilliant. Um, the question was was posed to him that you know why are you throwing it underneath so much right. in third third down situations? And I understand third and fifteen is really difficult. Of you course. said they averaged third and eleven, which blows my mind. Here he So it is. you're averaging negative one yard per first and second down plays.
1: Yeah, that that means you got half a yard (laughs) minus on first and then another minus half a yard on second. Here's what they did. Here are all of their drives, okay, except for the one that ended – at the half and the very last drive, okay? Third and 13, third and 15, third and three, third and 10, third and 16, third and 10, third and 18, third and 10, third and 12, a third and one, which they did not pick up. Then they converted a fourth down, actually got a fourth down conversion before they got a third down conversion. Back to the third downs, third and 19, third and two, third and 13, third and 12. Horrible. Horrible. Here, okay, since I'm on the topic here, Oh and then the, the the
2: third down that they converted that was the tip ball from the defender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so three tip balls in this game. Two were intercepted and one was their first third down. Here's here's how their drives went too. 4 and out, 5 and out, 3 and out, 5 and out, 4 and out, 3 and out, 3 and out, 2 and out, 3 and out, 5 they got a touchdown there. That was pretty good. 3 and out, a 12 play drive that ended in a missed field goal. 11 play drive, that was a touchdown. A, a two and out, because they threw an interception there, and then they ended the game with a five-play drive. They averaged under five plays of possession throughout the entire game. They were, what was it, 0 for their first 12 third downs. They finished yes. 2 for 14. They were 2 for 2 on fourth down conversion, so maybe you just... I mean, Pinion proved that he can't punt, so you might as <laughs> so well just keep going oh, for uh, it.
2: The Pinion punt. The oh,
1: shank. If, if you out there don't follow Brian Peacock at BD Peacock, he had a brilliant tweet at, at that point when he shanked it Pinion inside the twenty. Oh wait, not that twenty.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Referencing our segment, Pinion inside the twenty that is now long defunct. gone. Yeah,
1: long gone. Oh, that that made me that made me LOL as the kids would say five years ago. <laughs> Ten years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> That's long, long time. How old are we now? It was just a bad game all around, man. Four turnovers, the block field goal, 11 penalties for 98 yards. It just... Uh, 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 the, yeah, 14 points off turnovers, another seven on the shank punt. I mean, it was just ugly to watch, man.
2: You obviously need to make a huge change there. And I don't yeah. know if offensive coordinator is enough. There Obviously, there's yeah. personnel changes that need to happen. Of course. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out in the offseason. It's pretty obvious at this point that the coaching staff is going to finish the season.
0: Yeah. Right. Unless. Well, two more games. Yeah. You never know. Well,
2: Tom Sula did have that one game head coaching stint at the end of uh, the Singletary era. So maybe it's so ugly against the Lions. You get rid of him after
1: this, and then he has like a 16 game record forever.
2: Yeah, that's true. A full (laughs) season, but it's missing one on the end of this season. There's one extra on those. It, you know, the only reason, and I, I talked a little bit about this on Twitter during the game, is the only reason that they would do that is if they have a candidate in-house that they want to see run the show. Maybe, sure. you know, a quick little dry run before. I mean, better to see one of your own candidates coach the team for one or two games than it is to see him not at all coach the team Yeah, and just mean, interviewing I mean, him in if, the offseason.
1: And if you're done with Tom Sula, he's lame duck, right? So it, you, it, just, right. If you, you get him out of there, yeah. yeah.
2: Which And the only two guys that could be would be... Eric Mangini and Tony Sperano. Yeah. And if if they did make a change, mid, like right now, it would probably be Tony Sperano running the offense. He's, you know, he's the offensive line coach. That makes but sense. Yeah, he's been a head coach before.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so's Mangini. He's sort so. of like the
2: offensive version of Jim
1: Tomsula, really. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm I'm good. We can pass on that. I don't want anything that's a version of Tom Sula around this team anymore. It's yeah, just, I really like Jim Tom Sula. That's the too. frustrating
2: like, part of it. Like as a person, and I I wish he could just go back to being a D line coach. I'd
1: love to have dinner just with just him. Fine. Right. I'd love to. Yeah. Just have like some wine and some pasta. And the players play for him. Yeah. So it's not a motivation issue, really. I'd love to sit down with the guy, but I don't want him coaching my football team. It's just it's painful to watch. You know, it, it's not all him. It's not all anyone. I mean, Vance McDonald can't catch a pass, you know. No. And it, there, there's no time for Gabbard. I mean, only four sacks this time. It's sad when we're saying only, but that's coming off of a nine, <laughs> nine sack. Seven. Yeah, that was really bad. The touchdown pass was perfect to Bolden. I mean, it was a beautifully thrown yeah, pass from Gabbard. Good. That was the best pass I've seen him throw. Um, and, but then he comes back with the late interception in the end zone. You know, it's yeah. that was just as ugly as it gets. And that was just forcing a little bit. At the end of the game, you're yeah, trying too hard to come course. back. I mean,
2: it, it, really, the first three quarters were a lot bigger problem than that throw necessarily, I mean, in, in my opinion. But it, going back to uh, Vance McDonald really quick, Pro Football Focus has a uh, worst and best player at every position mm-hmm. every week article. Right. Yeah, and so who do you think was the worst tight end last week? <laughs> Vernon Davis? So, yeah. <laughs> no. Wait. Uh, you know what's funny uh. is uh, my fantasy football team, I have Tyler Eifert, and mm-hmm. I was in the semis and I needed a fill in. So, no, you yeah, didn't. Yeah. And so I went Vance McDonald. Wow. And he got me two points. Ouch. And uh, the guy on the waiver wire was higher who picked up Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis got one and a half points.
1: Hey, so, hey you win. I want to Blake a point. Bell probably would have got you more points than Vance yeah, McDonald. It's true. Um, Although Vance McDonald doesn't get credited for those two interceptions. Right, so that should have been a negative some points. Um, defense yeah, looked good, though, in this game, right? I mean... They, they looked fantastic.
2: You cannot say a bad word about the defense. I mean, 68 total yards rushing, yeah. 1.9 yards per Only carry. Only
1: 242 total yards allowed. They had that brilliant fourth down stop, which... I call it brilliant, but what the hell was that play call by Cincinnati? You give it to <laughs> Gio Bernard up the middle, like the tiniest guy in professional football? That might be a situation where you're kind
2: of outsmarting yourself. Yeah. Like, well, when we put Giovanni Bernard in the situation, they, knows, they know he's the outside guy, and we're maybe going to throw the ball to him or something right. like that. So, But, yeah. Um,
1: you shouldn't overthink it against a 4-9
2: no, team at the time. Navarro Bowman wasn't having it. But no. we talked a lot of negatives. We should definitely talk some positives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. defense is absolutely part of that. Uh, Navarro Bowman, obviously. Um <sighs> Ian Williams, we talked about him on the—well, I talked about him with Jeff Dini. You weren't here last week. Welcome back, by the way. Yes,
1: thank you. It's good to be back in studio. <laughs> a little odd over the phone. Yeah. and um, felt like you were cheating
2: on me. Ian Williams, which Jeff Dini called maybe one of the most underrated players on the 49ers. He had a great game. Oh, yeah. Um, Just stout on the defense, making plays, getting a push, um, getting in the backfield. So that was really fun to see. That was see. a
1: beautiful play when and, you got in the backfield. Right. Got that fumble.
2: Ooh. Jimmy Ward making plays again second week in a row so yep. that's really really good to see him start to develop and you wonder because right now he's a part-time player uh, teams run a lot of nickel stuff so he's on the field a lot but you got to wonder is he can he can he just start at at safety and then come down and play the slot or start outside a corner and then go in and play the slot because at this point you kind of want to see him more often you to see him on of the course. field, kind of like how uh Eric Armstead who wasn't on the field very much Mm-mm. this week and it was Jim, Jim Tom Sula talked a lot about run fits, and we talked about this before. Eric Armstead plays a little bit like a puppy, like a really excited puppy. You know, like he's got just, these ah! big paws and you can really fake throw the tennis ball and he'll run after it. <laughs> that kind of thing. He'll destroy his man and then all of a sudden missed a tackle yeah. on the same player. You know, he'll it happened against Johnny Manziel. He destroyed the right guard. Uh, Chase Manziel out of the pocket. Manziel went off to the left and made a couple guys miss, including Eric Armstead. I think twice he missed on the same play. Yeah, um, and then this game, fun. there was another play where he's uh, – it was a screen pass, and he's not even running – he's like running next to the ball that. carrier as if he's like, hey, come this way. Like yeah, He's the lead I'll blocker i for you. This is the way to go. What are you doing, man? Because he can – the, the potential is there, but yeah, some, some some raw ability and you need to see some development. Well
1: like to take your puppy, you know, analogy a little bit further, like you just hope that he you know, he's a rookie. Maybe next year his body catches up with his paws, you know? Like maybe he does right. yeah. fill out and he just he gets it. And it just he can take it to the next level. That's what you, you hope for,
2: obviously. That's exactly what you hope for. And we're seeing a little bit of that with Jimmy Ward right now, so that's a good sign.
1: You know, just just real quick, you know, Sean Jerome gets banged up and Kendall Gaskins comes in and it's just uh, and, and Cadet. Like, he just looks so bad. And then they go and they sign on Harris. Like, what the hell? Jared <laughs> Hane? Like, there was a great article, okay? Eric Branch wrote it. If you didn't get to see it, it was on the Chronicle. I believe it came out today. And, and he, he interviewed Hane, and, like, Hane was talking about, like, he can't believe what he was doing on old film and how far he's so proud of himself for how far he's come just in this short period of time and says he's definitely going to be back next year. So that's very exciting stuff. But you're not going anywhere. You're 4-10, and 10. Get this guy some snaps.
2: It, it, yeah, they, I mean that's one of the most obvious things to me. Is right now this coaching staff is coaching for their jobs, so they're not going to screw around at all. They want every veteran they can in the game. They're trying to win games and not. This be is fired.
1: what I want Jed York to step in and be right. like, play this guy. Yeah, like, or get him in or there. Bulky, or you know, yeah. really
2: in charge. He's like, hey. You can't worry about your job. to Get this guy in, and if you're not going to play him, then you're going to be gone anyway. So that's when you bring in a new head coach. Right. So maybe hey, we but, see a
1: week 17. <clears> you know, it's possible, might, right?
2: But at this point, what's uh, even if he's get, just going to be a returner? The, I mean, the third running back's not doing much anyways. Right. He, uh, Bruce Ellington's not doing a ton. He's
1: doing nothing. His punt returns are so pathetic. He's east west down,
2: east west down. And it's not that it's not that uh, Jared Haynes going to win a game for you. Let the fans see the guy. They obviously want to see him. We want to see him. Tim Kalakami had a a similar article about the mystery of Jared Hain. And, oh, that actually brings me to our friend Benny from Australia. Um, He hit us up via email. And he said, How many bleep house running backs do we have to go through before Hane gets a shot? <laughs> it's Lastly, true. Lastly, I can't be at the stadium, so here's my boo from Tassie, the redheaded stepchild of Australia. I
1: love it. Boo. Oh, that's a that great one. a one from Benny, so that's Benny. fantastic. And I'm with him 100%. A little bit of exciting news, though. Mike Davis probably returning to practice this week, he will be eligible. Week 17. So, I mean, I guess it's possible we could see a little bit of that. that right. might, that's something to, to Early, he might look just, forward it to. It might just
2: be his show week 17. Yeah. yeah it, I would it, love to healthy. see that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Me too.
1: Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing exciting going on in that backfield right now. So give us something. No, not at all. There are yeah. some changes along the offensive line that might help. Good, Trent good to see Trent Brown. Brown. Yeah. Really good. He
2: only played, what, the
1: fourth quarter, right? Right. It
2: was after the injury to Marcus Martin. Yeah. And so. Um, that line Bears got went real ugly a, real ra- fast <laughs> when Martin got out of there, and that
1: says a lot when a horrible lineman like him is gone.
2: He got a really good grade actually from Pro Football Focus, which was surprising because he only he played so little, and those are cumulative grades. So the longer you play, the more chance you have to to have a higher score. Right. Um, I think he had positive well, uh, three positive. I don't know, but it was positive. Uh, yeah, he was not a whole lot of that. Definitely positive, but just the amount of uh, grade he had without playing that much just shows how bad everybody else was all that time. And so there's another guy. Put him in a right tackle and yeah. stop screwing around. And let him
1: develop. Piers is not the answer. No. Never is. He moved into guard, too. Did you see that yeah, when they he brought him yeah. right Yeah. He
2: bumped down into guard, which yeah. is probably better for him anyways because he keeps getting beat on the edge. Right. You know, that might be the place for him. And then you have Tiller over at left guard who who moved over for Martin, who was hurt. So maybe that's just what you roll with anyways.
1: Yeah. And I, I'd love to see that. I mean, obviously what's what's happening on the offensive line is not working and you're crazy if you just keep running it out there week in and week out which is what they've been doing right. it's it's a little painful uh which since we're talking about uh, offensive line Joe Staley made his fifth straight pro bowl yes him and uh, Navarro Bowman will be representing the 49ers Alex Boone actually named as an alternate so good for him although he's injured
2: yeah so, so but
1: but still it was you know it's an honor it's a hat tip for out, that. yeah
2: so so the the left side of the offensive line we actually did all right this year for yeah. themselves. Um, a lot of the times the Pro Bowl isn't the best way to gauge how good a player actually played. A lot played. of name recognition yeah, there. name recognition and how good they played the year before kind of right. like, you know, comes, comes back around. But for them to get two players on the Pro Bowl is pretty impressive for how bad this team has been this, this season.
1: They actually, uh, the 49ers with their two Pro Bowlers, had more Pro Bowlers than 11 other teams. No representatives from Chicago, one from Buffalo, zero from San Diego, zero from Indianapolis, one from Miami, one from the Giants, one from the Jaguars. No, sorry, zero from the Jaguars, which Allen Robinson, Robinson, he got snubbed. That's the ultimate that's snub right there. Snub. Leads in y- touchdowns, and he's like sixth or seventh in yards, and he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Wow. Whatever. Yeah, and he, I think he missed a game, too, in there. Oh, whatever. Washington won, New Orleans 0, Tennessee 0, and the Vikings with just one. I mean,. It's like you said. It's a lot of name recognition there, so it's not the biggest deal. Plus, you know, I'll take a winning team over some Pro Bowlers right. any day. But you
2: still have, uh, you know, you still have that building block on offense and defense yeah. to build this team around, and so a lot of leadership with those two guys. So that's that's something to look forward to. Absolutely, Corey Lemonier. Mm-hmm. What was that hit out of bounds? Like this guy, it was just, just a
1: no-brainer, right? He just not wasn't thinking.
2: An instinctive no. player at all. He's a little bit like the uh, Vance McDonald of the defense. If we're going to start comparing <laughs> people like that, you know, they're not. You know, they 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 look the part, <laughs> right? Uh, but they just didn't know zero instincts. Zero. Uh, that's unfortunate. And uh, but on the good side, it looks like um, Eli Harold. Yes, making some hustle plays. He's going to get more playing time for the rest of the year and he's also looking to bulk up which is i was high the on obvious him thing yeah coming he, out of preseason he's athletic and um he, he he's got a high motor he was that guy he's that was always no, ne- never yeah, stopping just that yeah, like yeah. little kid on the playground he's got a he's got a high motor but he's just got no sand in the pants so he needs to add some power to his game for sure
1: <laughs> no sand in the pants no is that a thing is that like a saying
2: never i just that said
1: one. it yeah <laughs> What are you talking about? Are you going to question my – No, that's the same. Trademark Sand here. Sand in the pants, right? Uh, Sand in football. the pants.
2: You need those big, strong legs. Sand in the, the pants. Big old butt.
1: Yeah. Sand in the pants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're off the rails here. Where are we at? Um, well, let's not- go back to the mailbag, actually, since we we talked to – Okay. We heard from Benny in Australia. Uh, at Phenopalot on Twitter, he says the he got front office is mystifying. Uh, Coach T is baffling. With exception to the defensive coordinator Eric Mangini, entire staff must go. Hard to argue that. Yeah, I mean, if if the top goes, everybody else is also gone underneath. Yeah, right? someone
1: will bring in their own coaching staff. So I that's
2: mean, it. Just depends on how high they go up the chain. And at this point, it looks like offensive staff will be completely new, and the defensive staff and Jim Tom Sula and probably Trent Baalke will all be back. I mean, that's what I would bet on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't that not that that's the right thing to do. Right, but that's where we're at right now.
1: I, I disagree. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that. I think that Jed York's actually gonna do the right thing, and he may even fire Bulky. I mean, he may he may finally figure it out. See how pissed this Forty Nine er following is. This this loyal empire that that is is turned on him, and he probably wants a, us back. You know, and so the right thing to do is to clean house. Yeah, well, mom and dad might
2: be like, hey. Kid, figure this out, or we're gonna get rid of your toy and give it to somebody yeah, else. Right? Yeah,
1: you we, we gave you this toy. You're not taking care of it. You keep leaving it out in the sandbox. It's getting sand in the pants. Yeah, and you're leaving it out you know, there. Get like, toys to get
2: sand in the pants. It's getting
1: rusty in all this rainy weather. Like you better take <laughs> care of it. And by take care of it, I mean clean house because it's not working. Nothing. Nothing is working this season. There Four has. wins is sad. It is. This is. A, this is a proud franchise with too many Super Bowls. Too many winning seasons to deal with this kind of baloney. Too many NFC championships oh. and Super Bowls within the last four years to yeah, yeah, so just you're fall exactly off a cliff right. like that. Yeah, we um, went through the tough years already. Yeah. We did. Hey, that's oh. a good sign. That's, <laughs> that? that's our guest that's coming in here. We uh, got a special guest that's, that's going to join us.
2: Yeah. Well, let's
1: get to it. Oh. That was the victory trumpet. Or was that the
2: sad that trumpet was the of sad, no sad we're not going <laughs> to have uh-huh. the
1: special guest this week. Oh. Uh-huh. My brother, of course, a huge Lions fan, so he was going to join us today, unfortunately, it's not going to work out. Too busy at work. Bummer. That's unfortunate. We can talk lines, though. Let's well, Let's, let's do it.
2: talk lines in a second. I want to get to the rest of this mailbag, and then we'll get into lines. lines. Uh, Postman 231 also had a very similar thing to say, which was, Tom Sula, Chris, Mangini must go. Jed needs to hire a good coach, then get out of the way, which is kind of like yeah, yeah That's, that's what we exactly how we feel. Um, and Cole, at Endo Dude, said... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Yeah, he said, here's a rare appearance of Jed York on the turf at Levi's Stadium. And it was this photo right here, which is a picture of poop.
1: Oh, thank you for showing me. That. I really appreciate of, that. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you would enjoy Thanks. that. Thanks. For Our listeners
2: poop. don't have to see the live poop, but uh, this goes back to one of my dad's famous quotes: "Was if you're gonna be a turd, go lay in the yard." Yeah. So that's kind of how that's, the fans feel about Jed York right now. Go lay in
1: the yard. So With your you. toy that you left out there yeah, in the rain. Exactly.
2: Your ruined toy. Thanks, Cole. Since we're talking
1: mailbag too, I want to thank everybody uh that sent me well wishes for my wife and everything. That was very, very nice. I I appreciate it. She was very happy to hear that too. She's doing much better. Good. Uh recovering well. They did total the car. So we're we're car shopping right now. It's a lot of fun going out and test driving. Oh good. You get to get one of those BMWs with a bow on it. That's for exactly Christmas. our Lexus Sales to Remember event, right? <laughs> oh, there you December go. to remember, something the, like something that. Something like that. Yeah, the wife's going to love it when I do that to the Toyota Corolla. <laughs> outside. Yeah. The 2007 Tercel. <laughs> it's only got 120,000 miles, honey. All right, should we get into those Lions? Yeah, all yeah. Right. It's uh, It's been kind of an up-and-down season for the Lions. They they started, what, 0-5 or something, and then you know even lost seven of their first eight. They then ran th- off three straight wins, got into the playoff talk for a little bit. It was all kind of right around the time that they fired Joe Lombardi yeah. and brought in the best name in football. Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, it was right around that time that this, this kind of shift happened, and y- you just saw Matt Stafford just turn it on. And he has. He's actually been really, really good for a team that's not that great. He's been fantastic. He's got a 93.7 rating, almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns. He's got his highest completion percentage ever right now. That
2: was surprising, 66%. I did not expect to see that from Matthew Stafford.
1: It's because he's not forcing the ball, which has kind of been his thing. Like A prime example of him not forcing the ball is that Calvin Johnson has just one catch in the last two games, like one in each game. He had one target. Against the Saints on Monday night, he's not. If he's not open, he's not going to him. He's he's hitting, you know, Abdul out of the backfield. He's finding Golden Tate. He's he's yeah. got Ebron actually showing up to play this year, and it, that offense is it's pretty good. I mean, they're ninth in in the past. Thirty first in, in rushing, which Which this
2: is where this is my whole thing with the with the Lions right now. And one thing I've not liked is I was a huge fan of Amir Abdullah and I wanted to ask your brother how he thought about how Amir Abdullah did in his rookie season. Um he, he leads the team in rushing. But And he's the only guy that's over four yards per carry,
1: but they hardly use him. They, it's, it's really it's frustrating that to watch. It's a three-headed monster. As a fantasy player myself, you know, I was I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to pick up Theoretic this week. This is the week because he gets so many yards out of the backfield. Out of the backfield, right. Yeah. And something, okay, no, no, wait, oh, and then Joe Bell's back now. He's healthy. Uh, and then it seems like when you watch a Lions game, they're constantly rotating. No one gets two snaps in a row. You know, it's, yeah. it's just like, oh, here's Bell. Oh, there's Riddick. There's right. Abdullah. Oh, there's Riddick again. Oh, back to Abdullah. Bell for a play. Like, right. what are they doing and over there? One thing
2: I don't like about that strategy, and we talked about this before as well on the show, is when your personnel package is wrapped around your running back, and it's obvious what your kind of play you're going right. to run when that player's in the game. You're not
1: running the ball you, when Theo Riddick is in the game. Right, when Theo Riddick's in the game. You're he, not passing with Joik Bell.
2: Uh, yeah, he, he averages uh, seven yards Rushing per game, Theoretic does, or something oh, wow. like that. But he's got 69 <laughs> receptions. So yeah. when he's on the field,
1: what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, he's right? probably the third down back. But yeah. when you look at Abdullah, like, that's perfect for him. For me, he, he seems like a second and third down kind of guy. Right. Like, he can, uh, he's can. he been their
2: best running back, yards per carry. Um, he can make plays out of the backfield catching the ball. He's the type of guy that you could put in there, run the full offense, then have other guys, you know, maybe when you get down into the goal line, then you put uh, Joyke Bell in. But because you're going to be running your goal line package, that's not going to be ruining any of your uh, strategy to your opponent, right? But when I watch a Lions game, I can tell what they're going to do by the running back that's in the game, and that's probably not a good thing.
1: I'm sure that's why they're, what, 5-9, and I mean? And their most (laughs) talented
2: runner, which is, in my opinion, Abdullah, although Riddick is a great receiver. Yeah, no Um, doubt about it. But you got to give Abdullah the ball more. And he's the type of guy that's speed on the edge. I think those two guys could— be the type to give the 49ers some problems. Joique Bell, probably not as much.
1: I would compare Joique Bell to Kendall Gaskins at this point, where maybe he's good at pass blocking and just maybe getting two yards right up the middle yeah. to keep somebody honest. But when he's in the game... I just I feel like okay that that's an extra blocker like if they go into a pass like he's not right. gonna sneak out of the backfield and make any catches. What are his receptions? On uh, this he's season?
2: got eighteen receptions. Yeah,
1: already. that's that's what less than two a game. I mean that's not. Yeah, good. I mean
2: he can catch the ball, but he's he's been hurt and he's never he was never really explosive to begin with. No, so he's just not the type of guy you have to worry about making a big play. On and then him. as
1: a fantasy player too, you you start Riddick or you start Abdullah and then Bell gets in there and gets that goal line carry right. and exactly <laughs> just gaffles the touchdown, but. It, it to me this you know six weeks ago seemed like a winnable game, but at this point it doesn't anymore. What are, the, are the Niners ten point dogs or something? I, I think that's what I saw. Ten point. Yeah, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of but, points. Uh, I probably take them. Uh,
2: probably no, take on the them road, ahead. I don't think I would. The direction that the. Uh, The Lions are going in the direction that the 49ers are going is very different right now.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. Um, You know, the the Lions did beat New Orleans, but I think they lost the two games before that. They won in Green Bay for the first time in like 75 years. That was really impressive to me to see that. It also, you know, sign of the times that Green Bay may be headed sort of in the the 49ers direction. Not as much, of course. Uh, But, oh man, This, this Lions team... To me it reminds me a lot of what the 49ers kind of wanted to be once Carlos Hyde went down. They don't run the ball that much. It's a lot of passing, you know, they once he went down, you know, they they, they Reggie Bush was the starter and they wanted to get that going and then yeah. they brought in Sean Drone, you know, because Mike Davis got hurt too. And, and Drone has been great out of the backfield. He reminds me a lot of Theo Riddick. You know, just a lot of catches, he averaged 5 a game when he was healthy and we may not see Drone this weekend. It's kind of unclear right now. I know this is Tuesday night, so we we don't officially have the the injury report for this week. Right? There's, there've been no real, real practices, so it's really up in the air for him. But if he doesn't go, I mean, is Kendall Gaskins our starting running back come Sunday? Yeah, I assume so. With DeWan Harris as the yeah, backup? I mean, who's, they're all just guys. There. Who's you know, third?
2: Who's third? Uh, what the hell, Jared Hane? Yeah, should
1: be. <laughs> I, it should be first for all. I care. It, it won't be, right? But oh man, yeah. I mean, they waive cadets. So if if drone can't go, it, it, we may see Jared Hane, right? We may mean, have
2: to because it, who it, it's else? A numbers game. They just don't have anybody else.
1: Yeah, I guess you go. You yeah. Pierre Thomas, I think got picked up by someone else. Oh, I don't know, man. I I I've stopped trying to guess what this coaching staff is, is trying to do here. What Bulky's trying to do. It's. It's mind-numbing at this point.
2: It is, and there, there's no, there's nothing to hang your hat on to say, like, this is going to save it, and they're going in this direction. Right. And it's looking really good. Because it's not.
1: No. Nothing about it. I at least want something exciting. Ellington's not exciting. No running back that they have is exciting. The defense can be exciting at times, but that's it, man. I want the Hain train. I want to hop on board. I want the plane. Whatever you want to call it. I'll take the, the Hain boat at this point. Hain like hoverboard. A, a rowboat. Whatever. Dude, I'll take a paddle boat. Anything, yeah, Whatever. like a slip and
2: slide with, with nothing at all.
1: Oh. The, the, a dry slip a dry and slide? Dry slip and slide. Ouch. <laughs> that just sounds painful. Uh, maybe, okay. We, Dude, we are off the rails. Maybe too
2: far with that one. But <laughs> hey, you know what I wanted to ask your brother? I'm, I'm Bundy didn't come on with us mm-hmm. because... I, I can to, probably answer it. Okay, well, I was going to play Jeopardy. Oh! The answer is Barry Sanders.
0: Yeah.
1: What's the question? <laughs> Greatest running Go.
2: back of all time? Okay, well, that's an acceptable answer. The yeah. one I was looking for is... Uh, the only acceptable reason why your brother would grow up a Lions fan and you grew up a 49ers fan. Can you, know you
1: how that? Here's how it worked. Yeah, he he fell in love with Barry Sanders okay, uh, pretty That's pretty exactly early on. It. And actually, uh, a guy in our Little League, his brother was a, a tackle for the Lions. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so it turned out that that the punter was like, he would come to town all the, and met my brother and they became friends, and so he invited him out to a game, and my brother got to go in the locker room and meet Barry and walk on – on the field there back uh i forget what the dome was called there superdome it was not the superdome? No, superdome the uh uh i forget what it was oh jeez whatever it was he no, the got the
2: superdome to... is in is in louisiana that's in new right, orleans that's, right yeah, that's yeah that's where
1: the saints play uh, what was it it was the not the astrodome Gosh, how dang many domes it. are there uh, well whatever it was, it was, it was he got to, that he got to like walk out on the field and you know and all this so you know at that point it was his his love turned into just like infatuation like you are never going to break that they've been through a lot bad seasons. He he weathered the winless season. I mean, it's he's raised his four boys as Lion fans. Like it's uh, he's putting himself through this kind of punishment. But the you got to respect that the Silver not Dome, not the of dome, course. Silver Dome. You knew it started with an S. Yeah, you got to respect that kind of loyalty. I do. I respect it. But yeah.
2: I, it made I was like, how the heck? Yeah. But it had to be Barry Sanders because he was probably my favorite player to watch growing up. It was like you know Montana Young. I mean, yeah. Rice. Every time he touched the ball. All something... the 49ers guys and then Barry Sanders.
1: Yeah. And I think it was also kind of like rebellion against my dad. You know? like <laughs> for you, Dad. And I'm me. a Lions fan. And me. like I was like with my dad. He was probably like, oh, I'm going to go against you guys. I'm yeah. going to like another team off the board. And then my younger brother just didn't like football at all. Really? So He's like, yeah. screw all you. He got into skateboarding. Like, <laughs> we all went yeah. our own way. Yeah, nice. Okay. I walked the line, I guess.
2: You're the company man. That's right. You're the Jim Sula of your I'm family. I'm the Jed
1: York of my family. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's the, that's the worst thing I've ever said. Let's get out of
2: here. All right. Anything else we want to <laughs> nah, talk about here? Nah. No.
1: We're all good. Go Niners, lose. <laughs> get a better draft pick.
2: All about the draft, man. man. That's Oof. that's where we're at this point. Yeah. All right. For Nick Winkler, I am Brian Peacock. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Find us on Twitter. Uh, Nick is at Bay Area Wink. You can find me at BD Peacock. iTunes, subscribe, review. We're on Instagram at Gold Faithful Podcast email goldfaithful49 at gmail or you can drop us a line a phone message or a text at 415-858-0094 leave us a message and uh tell us whatever you want yeah been fun we'd love to hear from you thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next time see
0: you